You've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jackson. He's my baby boy. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten really finicky about eating. He used to get so excited about food, he'd literally spin. Well, not anymore. In fact, I often have to spoon feed him to get him to eat. Well, no more. Not since we started feeding him fresh food made with whole ingredients, backed by veterinary science. It's Nom Nom. Now, I actually tried making food for him myself. I'd cook up big batches of chicken or beef with vegetables and rice or potatoes. But without knowing what I was doing, he wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals he needed and certainly not in the correct balance. That's all changed now with Nom Nom. Go to trynom.com, T-R-Y-N-O-M.com slash Nicole. They'll ask you some questions about your pup and tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them to you. By using my special URL, trynom.com slash Nicole, you'll get 50% off of your first order, plus free shipping, and it's a great way to help support this show too. Again, that's trynom.com slash Nicole. plus Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. Wait a minute. Do you still think politics is boring? Well, not when you can say fun words like cacus. Yes, it's fun words like cacus and more. With the intellectual, intersexual, and intersectional. Nicole Sandler on NicoleSandler.com. think that Trump's heroic because he stood up so bravely to Hillary, a gold star mom, Shea Moss, and Ruby Freeman, to Greta Thunberg and McCain when he was dying of cancer, to Megyn Kelly, Rosie O'Donnell, and Nancy Pelosi, to Pope Francis, Lisa Page, and also Tony Fauci. So if Trump was heroic to stand up to older women, teenagers, gold star parents, cancer victims, and old men, then Fonnie Willis is the biggest hero of all time because she stood up to Donald and now he's facing prison time. It takes a lot of nerve to just stroll up and kick the bully's butt. Go, Fonny. Thanks for listening. Specifically, the indictment. A lot of people don't know this, but if you have the Airbnb app on Donald your phone. John Trump, Rudolph William Lewis Giuliani, John Charles Eastman, Mark Randall Meadows. John Cheeseboro, Jeffrey Clark, Jenna Lynn Ellis, Ray Stallings Smith III, Robert David Cheeley, Michael A. Roman, David James Schaefer, Sean Micah Tresher Steele, Stephen Cliffguard Lee, Harrison William Prescott Floyd, Travion C. Cootie, Sydney Catherine Powell. Oh, yeah. 
Kathleen Austin Latham, uh -huh. Scott Graham Hall, him too, and Misty Hampton, also known as Emily Misty Hayes. Misty. Aha. Uh -huh. Aha. Uh -huh. You know what comes next? <laughs> Oh, I'm all discombobulated today, but Laffy's here. Hey. Oh, I, why am I not hearing you it, again? Right. We did it again. No, no, uh, no, oh, no, you were me, muted. It's me, it's me. That was your Sorry. fault. Your fault. You're bad. I was bad. trying to be really quiet and not laugh while <laughs> the guy was singing. Although I couldn't hear the music, I could only hear his voice. That was Mangy Fetlocks, our pal Bruce W. Nelson, uh, who whose alter ego is Mangy Fetlocks, and he sang a little ode <laughs> to, to Fonnie Willis. Uh, and yeah, she boy, she just rocked it last night, didn't she? She, she did. was I, amazing. Yeah. She came out kicking ass. I mean, she was just like, here's how it is. I'm going to say it so you can understand it. Yep. I'm going to list a bunch of names. You're going to know some of them. And you know what? Don't mess with me. And meanwhile, Judge Chutkin is saying, I'm going to Chutkin Trump if yeah. he does anything more. So the two of them are these nice, strong black women with brains. And love that it. drives him nuts. <laughs> yes, it does. I love that. Um, you know, I loved seeing, in fact, you know, I, I, I had kind of mixed emotions about the fact that we saw the grand jury. And in fact, on the indictment, it lists the names yeah. of the grand jurors, which is kind of disturbing because grand juries are supposed yeah. to be secret. But I guess they do things differently in Georgia. But yeah, Georgia has a lot of different rules. I mean, some of them are really cool, you yep. know, and some of them you kind of go, ooh. You know, but um, like I, I have a feeling that if if it were up to Fani, she would let us see what's going on in the courtroom. <laughs> well, and 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 look, I've heard conflicting things about this. If this goes to trial, which it looks like it's going to, um, these will be televised. Georgia state court allows televisions in they the do. courtroom. That's what I thought. Um, yeah. The federal on the federal level, they don't, and there is some. Right you know, some disagreements on whether or not the judge has the final say, or right. I heard one. Or is it Roberts? At, uh, or Roberts at the Supreme Court. Yeah. I heard one credible source say uh, it's the Supreme Court, but I asked Lisa Graves about it and she's, she wasn't sure. Lisa's supposed to be joining us. I don't see her yet in the Zoom, so hopefully she'll be along any minute because I figured, you know, we got the indictment last night, like late last night. So, I was waiting to go in the shower after dinner and, you know, we're waiting. They have the camera on the courtroom and they're out. The right. jury's still voting. They're voting. They're voting. We heard there were 10 indictments and apparently mm -hmm. there were, although what we got was one, was one <clears throat> big, big fat, fat honking indictment, 98 pages or thereabouts um, yeah. uh, with with 41 charges in this one alone, bringing up the number of charges for Donald in four indictments around 92 or 93 counts. And he can't even count past four. So he's really going to have a problem with this. <laughs> Oops. Oh, I hit the wrong button. I was going to hit the ding. Sorry, I had to fuck you up there, um, which oh. <laughs> which is always important at times, but not 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 for what you just said. So, um, yeah. So, you know, whether it's um, the the judge making the 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 call on the federal trial, we don't know. But the state yeah. trial in Georgia, 
that one will be televised. Look, if they're going to show us all the grand jurors, they better show us the trial. And here's the thing. The American people need to see this. Um, I agree. Right. There, there's no reason. 100 percent. Because there, there would be so much disinformation coming out and so much wrong interpretation. Uh, everybody would have their say and none of it would be able to be shown. Um, I've heard. Well, that puts the witnesses at risk. Well, you know what they do with the torture uh, trials? They put the witnesses behind a, a screen and they alter their voices. Oh. So if you were really concerned about the witnesses being on TV, uh, you can you can address that. I see a little wavy hand. I see Lisa. Hold on. I got to bring. No, I've got to fix our shot. So bear with me because this is this is how, you <laughs> Lisa, know, I, just see I don't hand. have a producer. But there she is. Hold oh, on. Man. We're getting there. We're getting there. Let me bring it so we can see Lisa and then I'll I'll fix me because um, we're all here. It's a party. It's a it's an indictment is finally here party. Um, Lisa Graves is the, uh, she, she runs, she's the, the founder and director of an amazing organization called True North Research, which you should check out at truenorthresearch.org.org.com. .org. 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 That's what I thought. And um, Lisa does just amazing work. And always, and has. always <laughs> has. I mean, look, I, I try whenever possible to um, tout. Look, we I first learned about ALEC, the American Legislative Exchange oh, Council from Lisa. Her, right. Yep. At, at right at ALEC Exposed. We Me learned too. about the Koch brothers uh, from yep. Lisa. We learned about all of these dark. Well, Leonard Leo. The first time I heard Leonard Leo's name was Lisa Graves. And so um, and now she's just doing it at True North Research, but the same kind of work exposing the, the corrupt individuals um, who are who are just killing our country and the trump family uh deserves that scrutiny as well and and uh, so lisa graves is here she's the she's the legal expert for the nicole sandler show she was deputy attorney deputy assistant attorney general under both janet reno and john ashcroft in the clinton and w administrations among other things you worked at the senate judiciary committee and um uh, in nominations, so you you would have to vet these people. So when you see, uh, just to start, Lisa, when you see that some of the judges that Donald Trump nominated that he brought on the bench, does it does it turn your stomach? Like these people have these <laughs> lifetime appointments. It really is appalling that some of the people he chose are so unqualified to be judges. They'd be unqualified to be a local judge, let alone a federal judge. Uh, with a lifetime job. Some of them were in their 30s, early 40s, had never been judges before, but they'd been political operatives. So they had no indication. There's no um, part of their career that would make you think that they could be impartial or would be impartial. Instead, they were chosen because of their loyalty to him, a term that uh, you know we've heard bandied about, and also their devotion to this extreme agenda that Leonard Leo, this right-wing lawyer who helps lead the Federal Society, has mapped out over these past you know, few decades, which is an agenda to really re- re- repel um, you know, the 21st century, to basically reverse key oh, yeah. legal precedents of the 21st century that Americans rely upon in protecting their constitutional rights, decisions that actually gave the Constitution, um, words in the Constitution meaning, like equal protection of the law, that it actually means something, not just words on a piece of paper. And so, um, you know, basically Trump appointed a lot of people who were unqualified um, by most people's standards for the bench. Some of the people were actually affirmatively rated not qualified or partially 
not qualified by the American Bar Association. Others had very little actual experience um, that, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd want someone to be, um, have had experience as a judge before becoming a judge like Eileen Cannon. Why yep. was she chosen from oh. obscurity oh, to be the judge, you know, in the jurisdiction where his, his uh, Southern home sits um, when she has, you know, uh, she doesn't have the skills um, that you would typically think would be helpful to being a judge. She, she'd barely practiced law for 10 years um, and had been a sort of undistinguished assistant U S attorney, assistant prosecutor. So why was she plucked from obscurity for that prime spot? I think we can, you know, speculate based on her behavior when she got the initial case, how she, um, treated Trump, her benefactor, the person who chose her for that job. Um, and we, it remains to be seen what she's going to do with the trial that's supposed to be before her. But I have to say between from the lowest, the low court, low, lower court judges to the Supreme Court, Trump, with the advice of Leonard Leo, chose people who were not distinguished by their record of impartiality, but by their record of devotion to a pretty extreme agenda, in my view. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And 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 yeah. now it's it's paying off, maybe not as much as Trump had expected, because honestly, some of the you know, we've heard there were throughout the course of Trump's uh, attempt to overturn this election. There were 62 cases brought to court, many of them before Trump appointed judges who all said, no. No, this is not. No, there's nothing here. There's no case here. Go away. I'm not doing your dirty work. Um, one of them, uh, only one did not end in in total, like, go awayness. This is my legalese here. Um, and, and that was because there was like a, a technical problem or there was a, a I don't know, the Obviously, my my legal language, my lingo is not up to speed. But you know what I'm saying? There was a, like a technicality that that that's the only reason that case wasn't thrown out. So it's basically 62 to nothing. And he's still out there insisting it was stolen. They stole the election. It was a fraud. None of which is true. Right. Right. Well, you know, it was I, I was uh, happy that those those Trump appointees that managed to get some of these cases where he was he and his lawyers were making outlandish uh, baseless claims that those cases were dismissed as they should have been. But Trump certainly thought that he was going to have um, those judges on his side. And it's certainly the case that, you know, in American history, there are people who've been appointed to judgeships who do come from partisan backgrounds like Earl Warren, who was the Republican governor of California. Mm -hmm. But when he got on the bench on the Supreme Court, he really rose to the challenge of trying to be an impartial judge who would read the Constitution as it says and, you know, support decisions to to, you know, read the Equal Protection Clause, as it says, for example, Brown versus Board of Education, that you can't do racial segregation in schools or Gideon versus Wainwright, that we have a right to counsel. So that, you know, those were decisions of a judge who had been a politician, but shed that role as a politician to be an impartial judge. So I'm hopeful that some of those Trump Trump appointees will actually shed that right wing, um, the right wing background that gave them the qualifications in his view for that job and actually be impartial. But we haven't seen that always be the case. And certainly I don't think that we have, I certainly don't have much confidence in Judge Cannon um, and her willingness to follow. In fact, she was rebuked by the 11th Circuit 
which is um, the appellate court that has oversight over Florida and Alabama and Georgia. And the 11th Circuit is um, certainly not a quote liberal or progressive mm-hmm. set of judges. It's uh, known for being pretty far to the right, a domination of GOP appointees. And it rebuked her uh, on one of the balances on the prior um, part of this case involving the um, uh, involving the evidence that was seized um, about you know Trump's um, theft, um, in my view, and certainly the evidence suggests his theft of national security secrets. Um, but um, but as you point out, Nicole, there's reason to be hopeful because um, judges across the board, state judges, federal judges, rejected his ridiculous, um, outlandish efforts to um, to try to steal the election through. Um, litigation. Right. And now we're seeing, um, as Laffey and you were talking about, I think probably before I got on, now we're seeing this full range of um, response by the legal system to respond to the actual crimes that we believe Trump committed in trying to steal the election himself. So, um, uh, so Laffey's here, as she usually is on Tuesdays. We invited Lisa to come along today to be part. So we have our own panel, because I think this panel is better than anything on MSNBC. <laughs> There's no never Trumpers here. So we got that going for us. But on top of that, um, we've got a legal expert. We got Laffey. We got me. We've all read the I'm thing. expert on nothing. That's not true. The indictment came in certainly late. Eastern time, not quite as early. Uh, Lisa's in in the Wisconsin area. Laffey's these days still in California, not in Canada. But so did we all have a chance to read through the 90 some odd pages of the 41 counts? Laffey's saying, no, you didn't read. God, I haven't been able to read anything. I've been a little busy. (laughs) Well, Lisa, you I'm sure you did. And I certainly did. This one's laid out a little bit differently than the last indictment which you know what the last one the um uh the jack smith one i read i read read. and recorded so that people who didn't have time to read it could listen to it because i thought it was so important and it was this one is also important but i don't think i'm going to record it because it's twice as long twice as long and 19 defendants so lisa were you were you as surprised as i was um to to see how it unfolded yesterday I was surprised that they um, announced it so late at night rather than waiting till the morning. But I'm, I'm sure that that was just because they felt like they had been, you know, so thorough. They wanted to issue it as soon as the vote was was finalized. But um, it really is a very thorough uh, complaint. It, um, it it's it's really, um, in essence, vindicating for all of us who have watched these news reports of how this unfolded, the many ways in which Trump was trying to pressure people to break the law and the people who were helping him with that pressure, just spewing lies um, in court pleadings and more. It's just vindicating to actually see that laid out in black and white print, you know, showing all the ways in which he tried to um, try, you know, in which he actually helped orchestrate Mm -hmm. this effort to have these fake fraudulent electors to supposedly cast the election into doubt and throw it to the House of Representatives um, and stay in office. Uh, basically over the will of the American people in mm-hmm. this election. Mm-hmm. So it was it was very powerful to see that set forth and to also um, the, the women who testified before the January 6th committee um, who had been, you know, so smeared by Trump, um, you know, to have their their them their story be told yes. again, they were pressured, how they were attacked by him uh, to have that vindication for them, because that was their effort. They just in total disregard for our democracy, but also 
ordinary human beings who were just election workers to try to smear them and get them um, in a situation where they would be vilified and potentially, you know, subject to violent attack by the lies that were told about them just to see it all laid out. It was it was awful to see, but also um, I was glad to see it in the form of a criminal complaint because that, in my view, in my opinion, uh, those criminal charges are well warranted for Trump and his co-conspirators. Absolutely. I have a question then. Because that's so local, because the two women, the two election workers were specific. I mean, all this is specific to Georgia, but um, there's the threat of, you know, Trump trying to get it to move to a federal court. How, I, I've heard things from lawyers and from legal you know, people online and stuff, how, how that could easily happen in this case. But I don't know. So I'm asking you, do you know? I, I think it'd be very difficult to get this case removed from state court to federal court. Um, it's certainly that he, he could make such a claim or try to make that such a claim. But um, the statutes, you know, he he's certainly committed violations in both federal and state law under federal and state law in yeah. multiple jurisdictions. In fact, that complaint, the Georgia complaint sets forth criminal activity that also occurred um, in Wisconsin, Arizona, right. Pennsylvania, other the other swing states that they were targeting um so he could try to get it removed to federal court i think he'd be unsuccessful and georgia has a right to bring these charges georgia state officials as you both know were targeted georgia election workers were targeted the votes of georgians were targeted exactly absolute right to try this case under state law and hold him to the full account of the law and and as um as has been reported um, in Georgia, unlike under the U.S. Constitution, the executive, um, meaning the governor in the case of yeah. the state, does not have unilateral authority to um, to give someone a pardon. The pardon is handled by the pardon, uh, pardon or parole board. A pardon could only be granted uh, after, after five years of sentence. And so it's a superior system compared to the U- the Supreme, the pardon me, the um, system of the U.S. Constitution, which grants a president the power to give a pardon. Under under, I think the naive belief that a president wouldn't even dream of pardoning himself, let alone his family <laughs> members or his criminal wow. co-conspirators, uh, as opposed to people who are not related to him, not related to his crimes, but are you know independently worthy of some sort of relief um, for you know past misconduct. So uh, the fact that it's in Georgia and Georgia does not allow a governor like Kemp or someone else, some successor, to just clear him. Is an, is an additional advantage of this case being filed in uh, in this, the great state of Georgia. Well, that's a relief to hear, because I, I think one of the things I was told, and I, I hope I get this right, was that if he tries to move it, for some reason it triggers a mechanism where it does move, but but they have to then move it back as the effort, as opposed to the effort being to get it moved. Do, do, am I making sense? Like, yes. it, My, it's sort of yeah. a trigger. My, yeah, I mean, that... I don't think that he can automatically change venues that way. He can ask to do it. Mm-hmm. He can try to get it removed to federal court. Um, the burden of proof really is on him, in essence. Okay. We're going to try to change venues or particularly jump into a different court system. Um, it would be such an offense to the um, the powers of the grand jury you know, in that state and the yes. sovereignty of the state of Georgia. Um, but but the burden of proof, in essence, would be on him. And I think it would be extraordinary if that were to happen. I, I think um, I don't think it would happen. I, I sort of hesitate to to jinx it by saying it absolutely <laughs> won't. But um, to me, that would be an extraordinary uh, act if the federal court were to exercise jurisdiction and try to supplant 
the state, which has been wronged. The state officers, the state law, state citizens have been wronged by the actions of of Trump. Yes. Uh, (laughs) We all we have all all been wronged by him. That is very true. We have all been uh, wronged by him, although there are those people who just for whatever reason, will n- don't accept it you know they they listen to the guy who lies who's who's um conned this nation for the last 6 years uh and they don't want to hear from um th- from reality i mean I- i've got into it i tried to respectfully have some exchanges with people on Twitter today. Nice. That try, was that Nicole. was not possible. Um, and, and and the the few that I tried to be, I tried to be really nice, um, just <laughs> deteriorated because they're they're just vile. They they, they live in opposite world. Um, Lisa, let me ask you, do, what do we know about this judge? I want to the, the the first glance we got after waiting for like a couple of hours last night was this look at the judge. Uh, in in the courtroom when the grand jury came in and and handed the uh, indictments to the judge. Yeah, but isn't the judge McAfee? Well, this guy. Grand jury. Yes, sir. All right. Is Alexander, you're prepared to take this? I guess I'm delivering it to the clerk. You'll maintain custody of it from here? Yes, sir. <clears throat> so I thought at this point that we were going to get it, but no. Right. <laughs> it was still a few hours after this, so... And, and the other thing is, we had um, we were told there were ten indictments, and none of us knew what that meant. Well, apparently, they the, this grand jury heard some other cases in the morning before they moved on to this one. So those were probably unrelated, right? Those were other cases as they hand down indictments day in and day out. That's a normal procedure, right, Lisa? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why the speculation of 10 versus the number of conspirators or the number of kids. But, you know, I I think people were, you know, obviously waiting for this decision uh, by the grand jury for more than a week. I think the barricades have been up for over a week now Mm -hmm. around Fulton County Courthouse. Um, This judge, uh, based on my, you know, look at his background is someone who's a former prosecutor, had, you know, has experience in um, prosecuting fraud and waste and had been entrusted by Republican Governor Kemp. Uh, to be an inspector general, which means someone who is believed to be beyond reproach in terms of uh, investigating fraud or corruption. Um, so I'm hopeful that even though he's a new appointee, I think he was just appointed in February of this year right. um, as a judge. I'm hopeful that he will um, he will be true to his oath of office and administer justice without fear or favor for the rich, you know, for someone who's wealthy and powerful. Um, that's certainly what his career suggests. Um, so I'm hopeful I'm about confused, that. confused, though. We're, we're talking about two different judges? like Because McAfee, Scott McAfee, is supposed to be the one that handles the case, yes. as opposed to the judge last night, McBurney. Is that his name, McBurney? Um, yes, who so handled... McAfee. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And McAfee has, has not much experience, in, uh, although he, he sounds like a fair enough guy. I mean, he sounds even handed from what I'm reading on ABC. Uh, he went after Lynn Wood, for example, and find him. Um, uh, uh, he was appointed by Kemp. But McBurney is a whole different. That was the one we were just watching. Mm-hmm. So, OK, yeah. So he okay. was just the judge maybe overseeing the grand jury, but he's not the right. trial judge. I got it. Right. Yeah. OK. Um, you know, the first thing that I noticed, there's there's 41 counts or so in this indictment and not all of the 19 co-defendants are charged with each of the the counts. However, the very first one they were all charged with and it's even got a theme song. Rico. Rico. 
Rico. So, Rico, it is Rico time. At least, at least I have a different you... theme song for it. You do. Rico. Rico. There you go. Ricola. <laughs> you, you can go either way. We've got, we're multilinguists yeah. here. Anyway, um, so, so tell us about the Rico ch- uh, charges, the uh, racketeering charges. This is apparently Fannie Willis has experience. And this is her 11th Rico prosecution she's taken on in, in Fulton County since she became DA. In so, two years. Yeah. So what's the deal here, Elisa? Yeah, so that that law, there's a federal law, the Racketeer Influencing Corrupt Organizations Act, and then there are state counterparts. And in the state of Georgia, um, my understanding, I'm not licensed to practice in Georgia, so I'm not making a pronouncement on Georgia law. But my understanding is that um, under the history of that statute in Georgia, the Georgia legislature wanted that statute to be read expansively, to be able to reach corrupt organizations, corrupt uh, individuals who are acting in concert um, to uh, to engage in an array of illegal acts. And so she, uh, the prosecutor has experience, as you mentioned, um, uh, applying this law to crimes in the state of Georgia. And she, um, with, the, um, with the advice and consent and vote of the grand jury, has set forth a very compelling case of a whole series of crimes that were uh, committed by Trump um, or alleged to be committed by Trump and his um, cl- you know, advisors, his operatives, um, targeting the state of Georgia, targeting state elected officials, um, targeting uh, these uh, election workers, and also to create fraudulent and false documents, fake documents, these fake election documents. So um, this law, as as your listeners, I'm sure know, uh, is one that has, you know, initially, you know, 50 years ago was created in part to deal with the, the problem of organized crime, meaning uh, sort of... Um, uh, the mob, um, which is, I guess, the layperson's term for it, but right, yeah. uh, the mafia, organized yeah. crime, right? It's for organized sure. crime, and that's what she's alleging here. In fact, in the indictment, it's known as the enterprise. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I mean, I think a lot of us out here have considered Trump to be the head of a crime family in many ways, um, and certainly there's there's a lot of evidence of that over these many years, and there have been other charges against him and against. His his the Trump organization. This, however, is not about the Trump organization, meaning the corporation, but Trump and his fellow travelers in this really um, vile and outrageous effort to nullify the votes of the American people, people in Georgia and these other states who didn't vote for him and to just basically throw a bunch of junk and crap. Uh, crap, that's a technical term for it, but yes. <laughs> basic allegations by these lawyers and these like. Yeah, um, I, I know, I think we're on XM or something, right? Or we're on a, we're on progressive uh, we're voices. So like, you know, half-assed would be a generous statement about the claims they're made because basically they're baseless, baseless claims about the number of, uh, of how people voted. You can see in the complaint, these absurd claims about dead people voting, absurd claims about, um, ballots being counted multiple times. I mean, just, a, just a pack, literally a pack of lies. lies. Otherwise known as a shit sandwich, right? It is <laughs> or bullshit. Yes. Yes. Well, yeah. It, it just, just, and, and you know, and there are, are. Meanwhile, on a parallel track, there are disbarment proceedings against several of these lawyers yep. because they right. trash the court. Because they trash the courts with these completely baseless claims, making factual allegations that had no basis in reality. Um, and also, um, you know, Fox itself has faced um, serious consequences for perpetuating the lies some of these lawyers told about the N- Dominion voting systems, paid a huge settlement. Um, and yet, uh, yesterday night, as the indictment was being um, discussed on every other news station, Fox was basically 
um, discounting it without even having read it. Yes. It's, it's on their quote talent. Um, and so they continue to lie to the American people who watch Fox, who I guess are are eager to hear those lies. But the fact is, is that um, that indictment over and over and over again sets forth how these claims that these lawyers, these people who were conspirators with Trump uh, were making these outright lies and um, the consequences of those lies and also this uh, completely fraudulent effort to uh, suggest that these other people were actual electors under our <laughs> electoral college system when they were absolutely not. Right. And what a fraud, what a scam, what an outrageous um, uh, and illegal act that was. And the thing that was really interesting, by the way, is the number of unindicted co-conspirators. Yeah. Number one, number two, number 30. five. Number, number yeah. 30. There are 30 of them in this indictment. So 30 unindicted co-conspirators, not 18 named co-defendants who are in the indictment and Donald Trump. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm I'm as I'm reading through it, I'm saying, OK, what names are missing? I was well, surprised. Supposed to be number one. Who is Tom Fitton? Tom Fitton. OK, well, the, the, the one of the one, the first surprise for me was right at the beginning when Fonnie Willis reeled off the names and out of her mouth came Mark Meadows, because we believe yeah. Mark Meadows was not indicted in the federal case in the jeffrey smith case because we just assumed that he had flipped but apparently that he's indicted he's a defendant in this fannie willis case do we infer from that lisa that 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 mark meadows is not cooperating with georgia it seems like it because i the implication is that the other unindicted co-conspirators either there wasn't enough evidence or they're cooperating there are names that are missing that have been in the news around this. Right. For example, Lynn Woods, who's Lena Mitchell, right. Mitchell. Lena Mitchell. Yeah. Uh, uh, Michael Flynn, Michael, Michael Flynn, Flynn. Right. Yeah. There are a few names missing. Uh, Lindsey Graham. Yeah. Where's yeah. Lindsey, who is out on the news crying as he is wont to do, but um, didn't see him in the indictment. So do we do do we just have to wait and see? I guess we wait and see. Yeah, I think so because, you know, that in essence, for the most part, and, you know, the prosecutors, the former federal prosecutors who've been talking about this um, on the on the TV stations have talked about, um, you know, kind of part of the agreements for um, not being in, indicted is cooperation. Cooperation means testifying truthfully before the grand jury and then being willing to testify in the criminal trial. And so we may well see some of these people that you've mentioned uh, called to testify. They might not be called to testify, but they may well be or material that they've had communications with them. There are a number of um, emails, texts, telephone messages that were enumerated in the complaint. Some of those um, reference an unindicted co-conspirator or or two or three. Um, and so it remains to be seen who that material, who else was on those emails or who else was on uh, that text chat, um, who contributed to um, Mr. Roman's spreadsheet uh, where he was tra tra tracking um, these fake electors uh, who were supposed to go into the, their state houses and secretly cast these fake votes and then transmit them to Pence. Uh, in my state, in Wisconsin, um, we obviously heard about how one of these operatives was uh, handing the material over to um, Ron Johnson, yeah. uh, the senator in my state, to try right. to get those into Pence's hands. And so they were certainly trying to uh, get these these fake fraudulent documents entered into the record before the Library of Congress, as well as the Senate itself, in order to try to force the either force the uh, the House to vote 
um, try to get Pence to stop, you know, counting the vote and 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 more. And I guess I would just say, um, you know, seeing uh, John Eastman's name in there in that complaint. I mean, the damage he has done to this country is just oh. extraordinary. Uh, the damage of Rudy Giuliani. I mean, it, it, oh, is, it is laughable and parody at times because he's just made such a fool of himself. But it's not laughable because he is he has trashed our judicial system uh, and trashed our democracy with his just pro, just I mean, it, like his actions are profane. Yes. Uh, let yeah. alone his words. You know, his actions are such a profane offense to our democracy. Um so seeing their names in print like that was, you know, I, I wouldn't call it schadenfreude, uh, but just actually the vindication of the rule of law, you know? Yeah. I call it schadenfreude. Okay. You can. That's all right. Okay. Laffy calls it schadenfreude. Uh, Laffy, I know you had some other questions for Lisa. Yeah, I've got one for you. I'm going to read you a quote from Tamar Hallerman, and then I'm going to ask you the question. She's saying there's a lot of reporting out there. Let me move this where I can actually see it. Um that a felony RICO conviction in Georgia has a mandatory minimum of, of, of five to 20. I'm shortening this down. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean prison time. Could be solely probation, could be prison time, could be a mix of both. But last night, Bonnie Willis said, no, they have to serve out the time. And I was wondering if she mistakenly heard pardon instead of probation, because like you said, I think um, you've got to serve out your term and then you can be pardoned by the commission. But uh, she was saying, no, you have to you have to serve that five years. But Tamar started citing cases from other lawyers. Uh, There was one of a rapper who did get probation. So do you know anything about uh, the punishment itself and whether he could get away with just probation? Well, you know, the 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 way that criminal law works generally is um, that uh, you're still under sentence even when you're on probation. So in uh-huh. essence, where where you're serving that sentence, are you serving that service, that sentence in prison? Are you serving that sentence because you have an electronic monitor? Are you serving that sentence because you're you you're at a halfway house, but you're still under supervision of the state? All of those things, in essence, count as being you know, constrained by the state under a sentence of the state. So maybe it's a bit of a terminology question, like you you could have a five-year probation, for example. I'm not saying for this, for this crime, but in general, yeah. if you're subject to the authority of the state, meaning if you violate the terms of your parole or the terms of your probation or the terms of your home incarceration or, you know, what have you, you're still subject to the authority of the state and you have limited rights when you're under the supervision of the state wherever that supervision may be. And so, right. I think they were going more for, come on, he's got to be in prison. Why would they, why would they let him do anything? You know, I think that's where the questions were being asked. Like, well, does probation mean no prison? Well, I have, I have what she said here and hold on one second. I'm not queued up to the exact spot, but once there were only three questions, I believe. So hold on. Here's, here's the the first, the Rico charges has time that you have to serve. So it's not a probated sentence. That was what she said. Has time you have to serve so it is not a probated sentence. That was what she said. And they're arguing with that. That's what I'm, that's what these lawyers are saying. Yeah, I mean, there there are split sentences. You you see them some of the time where someone is sentenced to a certain period uh, in in jail, in custody, and then a certain a certain portion of that right. in under probation. It may be I uh, I will have to have a Georgia prosecutor on or defense uh-huh. attorney to resolve it because it just it may be that there are some um, you know mandatory minimums. Certainly, the federal system has mandatory minimums that require a certain amount of time 
um, like at least the judge doesn't have discretion to go below it. So oh, okay. Okay. That makes sense. Like yes. that where there's no discretion below a certain amount, but there's discretion above a certain amount. Um, that makes sense. I wish I could answer that definitively. I just no, you, you know, you did because I think maybe she was saying minimum of five years, excuse me, then probation is possible. Maybe that's what she was talking about. I have another question for you. Are you ready? Uh, it's, okay, this know, is, um, it's, this La- is it's Laffy's birthday on Thursday, so we're giving her a little extra leeway. It's a birthday present. <laughs> Happy birthday, Laffy. So ask Thank away. You. Ask away. Okay. Well, this is my last question. I'll shut up after that. No. But I mean, uh, these are questions I've been dying to get answered, and you've really been helpful. So, um, okay, this comes from um, this quote I'm going to give you is from M.S. Bellows, who is not a Georgia lawyer, but he is a really good lawyer, and he's also a byline writer in all the major publications. So, this is no slouch. Um, and he said, We're talking about now the, um, the law that uh, the Georgia legislature. Uh, passed that basically says we can kick out Fonnie Willis if we want to, you know, that, that, right. you know, the, about that legislation. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. he says, um, I'll be curious to see whether they actually try to remove Fonnie Willis under SB 92. It's clearly targeted at progressive prosecutors who don't bring charges, for example, abortion or minor drug offenses, not those who do bring them. And though they could try to remove her for bias, that'll be harder since the indictments were recommended by one grand jury and issued by another grand jury. And since she's already survived a recusal challenge, quote, McBurney said there are no grounds to disqualify Willis from pursuing her investigation and likely prosecution saying she had not acted improperly. The drumbeat from the DA has neither been partisan in the political sense nor personal. Um, so wh- what what do you think about that That and whether the, the legislature could actually be successful in removing her? Well, my understanding is that there's a panel process in Georgia for that sort of act, um, activity under that statute, under that uh-huh. SB 92. Um, and I, I don't think that there are any grounds for them to do so. Um, we certainly have crossed over the uh, sort of the twilight zone in Trump years about like, <laughs> where the law is and where some politicians exactly. are going to go. I mean, certainly seeing people, you know, in the federal setting like Lindsey Graham or others who are just like basically defend Trump no matter what, willing to follow him down this path. But yeah. I don't think there's any um, there doesn't there don't appear to be any um, actually genuine reasons to remove her that would be. Um, you know, legitimate. legitimate, right? And so that would be, I think, an illegitimate act if they did so. Um, and and I do think, you know, it's interesting in Georgia that, uh, you know, Raffensperger and Kemp did not go along with the scheme, but they mm-hmm. certainly are still, you know, partisan Republican leaders and that and they have uh, done other actions that are, you know, not necessarily in the, in the best public interest, in my view. Um, but at least on this issue, they stood they stood tall and did not go along with Trump's scheme. So I guess I'm hopeful that there would not be an illegitimate effort to remove her. Um, but, you know, you just never know, given um, the way some of these uh, politicians across the country have behaved in loyalty to Trump, notwithstanding his, you know, sort of manifest criminal criminality and his his hostility toward the very notion of the rule of law and um, his, his assault on this you know, this precious experiment in democracy. So I I guess I would say, again, not to jinx it, I'm hopeful that it won't be invoked or acted upon. Um, and I think she's, you know, certainly on all the reports that I've seen from any legitimate news source, she's acted responsibly and diligently in pursuing these 
these um, these criminal acts in Georgia. So well, anyway, apparently they don't need cause. Hopeful, hopeful, hopeful that it won't happen, Laffy. I hope. Uh, apparently the, the thing is they don't need cause. They just can do it. But we'll see if they push it. Uh, I just got this alert that yeah. says that Mark Meadows is seeking to remove his charges in the Georgia case Ooh. to federal court. Uh, he's entitled yeah. to remove his action to federal court because the charges against him plausibly give rise to a federal defense based on his role at all relevant times as the White House chief of staff. OK, that's, that's well, Mark, and we believe we don't know for sure, but we believe that Mark Meadows cooperating is cooperating with Jack Smith. From what we understand, there's not much communication, if any, between Fonnie Willis and Jack Smith. She do, she deferred a question about that last night and said, I'm not going to give you my my prosecutorial strategy here or something like that. Right. Um, but do, does that make sense, Lisa, if if Mark Meadows is indeed cooperating with the government? Well, I was going to say too. Back on that uh, that uh, state bill ninety that Senate ninety two, Laffy. Just to say, like, it is you know there it is a disciplinary procedure in essence. It's designed, and so this question of whether you could just arbitrarily remove someone, like, it, I, I think it's I think it's a real legitimate question of can it just be completely partisan, political, arbitrary, or is it genuinely supposed to be under the terms of the bill? A disciplinary function, but, but I know I, mean, I know Florida is different. But that's exactly yeah. what's happening here in Florida with DeSantis yeah. removing duly elected state yeah. attorneys from their yeah. jobs because he doesn't like the way they're doing their jobs. Yeah, so it's so it's a hazard. Like we're in we're in that twilight zone where who knows what yeah. some person would do. But in terms of this question of Meadows, you know, he yeah. may well he may well have a deal with the federal government, but that doesn't mean he has a deal with the state of, of Georgia. That's right. And right. Any deal with the deal with the federal government is a deal with that jurisdiction, that sovereign power alone, it does not it does not nullify the ability of Georgia to prosecute him for different uh, criminal activity or criminal activity that violates the law of the state of Georgia. So he he may not have cut a deal um, with the Georgia prosecutor and may now be regretting it. But I I I certainly I have not seen um, where uh, an agreement, for example, to not prosecute at the federal level it's not it's not binding on the state if the state has its own criminal activity to pursue it doesn't nullify the ability of the state to pursue crimes in fact you know you you see people sometimes arrested by one jurisdiction prosecuted and then you know arrested by the next jurisdiction and prosecuted federal and state so we'll see but you know oh. meadows um you know i i will say meadows uh one of the things he did briefly was share some of those text messages that he was receiving from Jenny Thomas. Right. Um, to pursue this, the, these claims and, and prop up, you know, the crack and uh, crack pop lawyer, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, uh, and more, but then he stopped cooperating because, you know, his bread is being buttered by Trump, the whole America first um, uh, set of groups that they've set up to try to continue to advance his extreme agenda. So Meadows is certainly compromised. This is so fascinating. So I noticed a, a similarity in strategies between Jack Smith and Fonnie Willis in that they're both relying on not Democratic Party critics of Trump and this whole process, but it seems like they're relying on the testimony of Trump acolytes, people who, you know, still say, look, I'm a Republican. I voted for Trump, but I didn't sign on for stealing an election. I didn't sign on for a fraudulent slate of fake electors, any of that. Um, one thing we uh, we learned. So yesterday afternoon, when when we, we kept hearing for hours that the grand jury was hearing testimony before they started voting and and witness number five was in there for what seemed like forever, 
for hours and hours and hours. Well, later we learned that witness number five was Gabe Sterling. Gabe Sterling was an election official in Georgia, right, who was a dyed-in-the-wool Republican. He is down the but, – but he got up there – I, I meant to pull audio of him and I didn't from from when he first took the yep. microphone, when all this exploded and we went, I, I'm looking at this guy going, that's what we need more of that. And it seems like he must have made a big impression on the grand jury, because that's when they said, well, we're going to take a vote and not even hear from the rest of the witnesses that we have gathered here. He was the one that said enough is enough. Someone's going to get hurt. Someone's going to get yep. shot right? or something. Someone's yep. going to get killed. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. He he sounds like he makes a pretty compelling witness. Yeah, I mean, you know, for for elected officials like him, uh, or officials like him, like Brad Bathensberger, Rusty Bowers, Rusty of Arizona, Bowers. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the 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 uh, people who testified before the January sixth commission. You know, it, it shouldn't even be a question that you would put the Constitution, loyalty to the Constitution, your oath of office to uphold and defend the con- U.S. Constitution from enemies foreign, foreign and domestic. And domestic. Right. Yeah. You would, that anyone would dare to put their loyalty to this con man above their oath is, is astonishing to me. And so I'm glad that there are people of integrity uh, in both parties and, and in the Republican Party that will stand up to him. It's certainly disappointing to see in the United States Senate how many people from Cruz to Josh Hawley to the Graham uh, to others have just stood behind Trump no matter what he's done. It's it's grotesque, actually. I think it has to be in part because of the amount of money he raises with his lies, which is why I thought that this big lie should be called the big lucrative lie. Yeah. Because it's about the money that is really churning through the Republican Party that he raises. Right. And obviously corrupting because it is is alienating them from their absolute obligation to uphold the Constitution and put our nation first on national security, on elections and more first ahead of any you know, supposed loyalty some, to some dude, you know, some guy who has a track record of lying throughout basically his entire adult life and scamming people and stiffing people and harming, you know, a, 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 you know, assaulting women um, and more. And that they would stand by this guy is is genuinely appalling. And I well, personally they would stand by a guy yeah. who wants to end democracy. I mean, yeah. these people originally didn't want to end democracy. They're just being Republicans who do things we don't like and think things we don't think and, and believe things we don't believe. But that they're okay with ending democracy. That's what kills me. They're okay yeah. with having a, a, a dictator or an authoritarian figure and losing liberty not only for themselves, but for their children and for the rest of us. Right. How did that, how did that devolve? Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the money exactly. thing. Yeah. 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 But, but democracy. Yeah. They won't admit it. See, this is the thing the Trump lies and all of his minions will swear to it. Whatever he says, they figure out a way to defend him. And it's astounding. Right. The level of, of lemmingness in this country is just <laughs> astounding. The, the, real, the sycophantic quality of these people is like my leader, this reality TV show made up personality who is actually a really shitty businessman. Um, but uh-huh. but he played a good businessman on TV and they're buying it. It's like every it's like the worst dystopian novels out there that would never get made into a movie because it was too outlandish. You know, and this is yeah. what we're living. And it's I'll tell you one thing that gives me a little hope. I i am in no way, shape or form a fan of Chris Christie's, but I but. think he is performing a very important 
role here. And that is being on the, the, the campaign stage and calling out Trump for his actual crimes. Now, he's still he's still Chris Christie and he's still a Republican and he's still saying, well, of course, I'll adhere to the pledge to vote for the Republican. And I think this indictment went too far, especially after Jack Smith's, because it's redundant. But still, what happened in, I think, New Hampshire? It's either New Hampshire or I, I think New Hampshire. I don't think he goes to Iowa. He has taken um, second place from moron death sentence here in Florida. Chris Christie has risen in the polls in New Hampshire to number two. And really? he is calling out Trump for his crimes. That's a big deal. Yes, David. Can I interject? You can. A little testosterone into all this estrogen, sure. please. I just read something online, uh, so you know it's got to be true. But you were talking about sycophants. Jenna Ellis, yes. who has been very loyal throughout this entire was fiasco. was indicted in this indictment, yeah. Trump's not going to pay a dime of her legal fees because she right. said nice things about our wonderful governor oh, here God. in the state That's of Florida. Right. Okay. Well, there you go. So it shows what but she, she says gets for she's, being loyal She says she's putting her white. faith in God to Oh, she's putting her, her faith in this. God to help her through this. Well, there you go. George Conway's response, which was, you know, uh, uh, perhaps then don't don't engage in a corrupt racket- racketeering. Put <laughs> <laughs> your faith in following yeah. the law. Hello, uh, or you know, hey, even that whole "thou shalt not lie" thing that could have been handy uh, there at some, <laughs> point, you know. Yeah, um, handy is but, right. But I was going to say this this question of the authoritarian, uh, the authoritarianism, and this willingness to um, to sacrifice our democracy and the freedoms that it protects for this guy, Laffey is exactly right. Like how, how does that equation work? It's just so horrifying. Um, yeah. and, and yet, um, you know, some of, some of these people are going along with Trump's idea that it's an indictment of them or that if he could get indicted, anyone could actually no, because, you know, no one has ever attempted a crime on this scale against right. our democracy ever. Yeah, but not only that, no president has ever, you know, they're talking about, oh, it's a third world country. They're they're going after the former president. Well, no, it's not the fact that we're going after him. The crime, the thing that's so third world country about it is that this former president did all this shit. A guy named Tristan Snell tweeted out felony counts against ex-presidents. And he's Washington zero, Adams zero, Jefferson zero, Madison zero, Monroe zero. And then it skips ahead. Kennedy, LBJ, Nixon, Ford, Cart, even Nixon with an asterisk, Ford, Carter, Reagan, Bush Sr., Clinton, W, Obama, all zeros. And then Trump, 91 and counting. So Tamara in the chat room asked, says, ask Lisa if Trump's 91 felonies is a record in jurisprudence. (laughs) When it comes to presidents, it certainly is, right? Ninety-one yeah, felonies. I mean, there there are uh, there are criminal there have been criminal indictments that have had more than a hundred counts in them. Um, so it's not unprecedented in that sense, but it certainly is extraordinary that someone uh, a, a high official, let alone a, a low official, uh, has engaged in so much uh, activity that grand juries have have issued these counts that that a jury of uh, you know fellow Americans looking at the actual evidence and not the lie machine on, you know, Fox um, has actually looking at the evidence found not one, not two, not three, not four, but numerous ways in which Trump, uh, there's evidence that Trump violated our federal or state law. And so, like you said, Nicole, what's extraordinary is having a third, sort of a third world banana republic Republican um, in the the White House going to trash the entire system. That's what's different. Not that these are political 
um, witch hunts. These are these are long term investigations by serious um, you know investigators who are trying to protect the actual rule of law by making sure that someone isn't above it and his minions yep. also aren't above it because their crimes are so severe. Um, in my view, in our democracy, in terms of un, un, unmooring our entire system of governance, that they have to be prosecuted. It would be a, a, it would be malpractice in my view to be. not to be prosecuted. Exactly. 100. And then he keeps, you know, he keeps he keeps uh, fanning the flames. The comments that he makes, he's just begging for the judge. Actually, in the in the federal case, I'm thinking um, to to throw him in jail. He keeps doubling down on the violence threats. And yeah. by the way, this. Um, uh, for those watching on video, showed up not even just moments after the indictment itself was released. Uh, Trump already fundraising off of, of this because that's all he does. He is a grifter and grifters going to grift. Well, that, the only reason he's running do. is to stay out of prison. I think so. Yeah. But of course, he's 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 Mr. Gaslighter. He lives in opposite world. And he's 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 so um, textbook projectionist that he accuses mm -hmm. us and his opponents of doing everything that he does. So it's such a tell. Everything that he says is exactly what he's doing. You know, the right. whole stop the steal thing. They were the ones stealing everything. Yeah. He says it's on rubber. your glue. Right? Yeah. <laughs> everything. Yeah, yeah. Every, everything he says is a lie. Projection confession. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's extraordinary. I was going to say to David's point, I think of it as endorphins uh, in this room of people who are, um, you know, happy to see the rule of law advance. Yes, yes. Um, and um, I do think like this sort of rage machine that Trump has unleashed, this idea that people, um, his followers are somehow him uh, or that they're that by indicting him, they're inviting them. I mean, I just think it's such a dangerous um, psychological tool. It's the tool of a fascist. It's the tool of a dictator. It's the tool it's, of a authoritarian well, man. It's and a it's, religious thing too. Yeah. It's like he, he he's their Christ. That's what he's trying to. He's my he's my Jesus. They've actually said that, Mister Two yeah. Corinthians. Yes, because he's yes. such a Bible reading uh, man of faith, <laughs> right? Yeah. Please, yeah. Um, yeah. Lisa. <laughs> before we go, because we're getting close to the end, Spaco has yet another good question. He says, uh -huh. "Please ask Lisa what happens now." After Trump told the lieutenant governor not to testify before the grand jury, can he be charged with witness tampering? Is that a violation of pretrial conditions? Well, well I think that Trump may be a just a walking uh, set of criminal acts because his his <laughs> propensity to um, in, try to intimidate witnesses, to try to tamper with witnesses, it seems to be quite strong in him. That's not the force that's strong in him from the Star Wars standpoint, <laughs> but the propensity to try to uh, remake reality to fit his 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 uh, agenda seems un, unyielding, and so I do think he's going to face some potential um, potential possibly other charges for his action in the in the aftermath of these um, indictments, or even try to meddle as these indictments were underway. And he may well, as we discussed last week, face contempt charges because he is such a contemptuous individual. It seems almost impossible that he can contain himself. Now he's trying to put in the form of an opinion. So we'll see how that works for him. But um, I just want to close by saying happy birthday, Laffy. And <laughs> oh, thanks. Thank you, Nicole. For me. So it's sort of an early birthday present for you to see 
uh, indictment day number. Oh, yes. yes. Definitely. Oh, yes. Wait, but, but before we go, Dave, I David has one more question. Yeah. No, it's not a question. Oh, what? You were, Lisa was talking about endorphins being released. And last night we're sitting watching the commentary on MSNBC and Neil Katyal was on yeah. there and he was trying so hard not to break into too big a grin <laughs> to show how happy he was. And this is going to be just slightly yes. crude. There was a, a buzzing sound in the background and Nicole, <laughs> I turned to Nicole and I said, that's his butt plug vibrating. That's how happy oh, he oh, is. Oh. No, no, go away. Go yes, away. He's gone. <laughs> yeah. WTMI. Yeah, go ahead. But, but I, you know, Neil, I worked with at the Just Smart for, for a period and, you know, he's he's uh, such a smart guy. And yeah. I know that, you know, he, um, like all of the people who were on, you know, were trying to present the facts and the law as it is. But I do think for anyone who cares about justice in America and cares about our democracy, um, genuinely cares about it, um, as, as, as um, unfortunate it is that we're in this place where this former president has been indicted. It's the only thing that ha it has to happen because otherwise yeah. we'd be getting away with it. And if he weren't indicted, it would become basically the strategy for the next time around. So it has to be called it, held to account. He has to be held accountable. And I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, juries in America will hold him accountable, that he will be convicted of these and the other charges. And I'm hopeful that he will go to jail and that he will be behind bars huh. uh, because where he belongs, in my personal view. Absolutely. Okay. Tomorrow, just so you know, we continue this conversation as Marcy Wheeler returns to the yeah. show. Because, you know, Marcy digs in really deep. So we'll <laughs> see what she's come up with after, you know, 48 hours with the thing. Uh, so that's tomorrow, Howie Klein on Thursday. But Lisa Graves, find oh. her again at the Lisa Graves on the Twitter machines still. And please go check out the work they're doing at truenorthresearch.org. Truenorthresearch.org. And gotta laugh, of course, here with us every other Tuesday or thereabouts. We try. I'm trying. I'm trying. A lot of, a lot of Slapping up and down the coast of Canada. Yes. And uh, Nicole, I'm, I'm going to be on in my personal capacity yes. and share my opinions, Nicole. Always. But thank you so much. And thanks, Laffy. And have a wonderful rest of your day. All right. With that, we're done. Laffy, see you next time. <laughs> see you next time. Bye. Bye.